Welcome to Food and Loathing, where we do our very best to entertain you while simultaneously making you hungrier and hungrier as the show progresses. Which, I mean, if you think about it, it's kind of the opposite of dinner theater. <laughs> it's more like hunger theater. I'm your host, Al Mancini, and Rich Johnson, who you hear in the background or foreground or whichever ground he's on, is engineering today's festivities. Indeed. Rick Moonen is in Austin this week, and rather than book a guest co-host, although we've had some amazing ones, we have opted to just pack the center segment with more guests than we can handle, (laughs) and to balance it out, Rich and I will be flying solo for the opening. I may or may not have enough microphones for everybody. We'll see. Well, we'll see how many people can get on microphones <laughs> yeah, together. I mean, yeah. we're, we're a social group Sharing. here, man. Um, so, look, there are only two of us to discuss our recent meals this week, and I actually had takeout from Panera <laughs> for dinner last night All on right. my way home from a frustrating evening of car shopping. And no, I won't oh, get into that. No, please, no. Not a good time to shop for cars. Let's just leave it at that. Yeah. Uh, so I sincerely hope you have something to tell us um, that's better than fast food and or chain restaurants this well, week. Well, yeah, thanks to you. Thanks to a little uh, dropping of a dime, although... You can't really drop a dime anymore because there are no pay phones in which to drop it. It's a quarter anyway. Anyway, I went to, uh, last week I told you about having a drink at Barry's Downtown Prime and then loving that bar down there. So Joanna and I went back and not only returned for drinks, uh, but a couple of appetizers as well. Just before we came over here where we're recording at the plaza to see the soft opening of the Sand Dollar, which we'll talk More about. More on that momentarily. Hint, hint, nudge, nudge. She had the calamari. I had the buffalo chicken wontons and onion soup. And no, we did not go for the bone marrow fettuccine and the luge uh, next time when we I was there actually for a texting dinner. people yes. trying to get them to bring that to your table. I was, yeah. was willing to put up my credit card via text just to pay for that well, for you. But. Our family has dairy issues, so I need to do it with somebody else who can share. Bone marrow, last I heard. Just creamy. It's a dairy cow. Cream <laughs> in the fettuccine. Oh, like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Mm. Anyway, uh, thanks to a direct mail flyer offering me $20 in free play and half off an entree. I went back to Jackson's for a breakfast Sunday morning. I had the steak and eggs, a very nice uh, medium-rare piece of cow, uh, thanks to Lisa, the bartender, made up for the bone-dry bacon I had the week before. Eggs perfectly over medium at the bar, buddy. I even came out $4 ahead. Woohoo! Yeah. Which, of course, I tip Lisa, or more. <laughs> I hope a little more. But yeah, a little more. A little more. It's none yeah, of my yeah. business. Just tip well. Ten for the bit. bartender, ten for the, the, the waitress. So I always, you know, the server. I'm not worried about you. No, I'm worried right. about some of the other people out uh, there who might just be saying, $4, that's all I ever need to tip? No, 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 no. I tipped more than that at Pan- Panera Bread's last night. Yeah, I had to actually yeah, press a special button because at Panera Bread's, they don't do the... Um, Ten, twenty, thirty, yeah, yeah, forty yeah. percent, whatever. It's just like a dollar, two dollars, three dollars, and that was it. And I had Whoa. like a thirty plus dollar order. We were yeah. getting a bunch of sandwiches, soup, taken home. Everybody wanted to eat. We were really hungry, wanted to have it. And I'm like, dude, I, I need to tip you more than this. That's not right. Your bosses are fucking you. And he gave me an extra cookie for that. Wow. There you go. I at home, marking the conclusion of the HBO series Julia. I pulled out mastering, as it's known in in the series, mastering the art of French cook. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I made the beef bourguignon. Followed the recipe as closely as possible. You know, a couple of exceptions, like like most of us here in America do. I, I substitute ba- a bacon for salt park lardons, and I used a little red blend we had already opened instead of a nice burgundy or cab. The red blend worked out fine. I made it last night as we record this to eat tonight. I took a few little samples, and uh, it's uh, it's pretty good, and it's going to be better for having been in the, the fridge for a day. So uh, stay tuned next week to hear how that turned out. Okay, well, first, I was going to invite you out to dinner with me tonight know, for Winnie I, and Ethel, I, I, so I, I guess that's off, right? Not happening. Yeah, yeah okay. sorry. Okay, you know what? I'm, I'm disappointed. First of all, that sounds amazing, and you never cease to amaze me with your um, <laughs> with your home cooking. I mean, especially being married to a chef, I would think maybe you just let her do everything, but yeah. you seem to do a lot. So. Pastry chef, so I get to do all the savory stuff, the, 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 the cows and the pigs and things. Well, hats off to you for that, but I got to say, I can't believe you didn't do a Julia Child imitation during no, that no. little story i, I, I mean, respect julia too no, no, everybody no. does that one no, that's i refuse uh well that's it I, I got no class so i'll do it um looking back on my own week i actually did have some meals that were much more <laughs> exciting than my sandwiches from panera which hey, i'm not knocking them but yeah you know, 
much more exciting things. To start, I got into China Poblano for their annual tequila and mezcal festival. And as I've mentioned on this podcast, Chef Carlos Cruz Santos and his team, including AGM Eduardo Sanchez, uh, who took care of us that night, they've created a special springtime a la carte menu to pair with agave spirits. Ooh. It's just about done, but I want to tell you about it because you have a few more days to get it. Um, they have outdone themselves. Um, we started with a dish called queso a la planca, which is seared queso panela. Queso panela, I wasn't that familiar yeah. with. Um, it's a Mexican basket cheese. There's a bit of talk at our table about its similarities to other Mexican cheeses. I've got to be honest with you. It reminded me of paneer, which is an Indian cheese that I like a lot. Yeah. It's my go-to. When like I'm going farmer vegetarian. cheese, kind of dry, but, and then you put it in the sauce and like that. Yeah. I was going to say, is it made out of baskets or made into a basket? Why basket cheese? I don't know. I didn't get that full. I think yeah. it looks like a basket. Oh, okay. Sure. I hope so. I didn't get that. Much better I, than I, being I was, made I out of baskets. Uh, 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 yeah, yeah okay okay so and you yeah. know that my you know i'm a lightweight these days yeah so um anyway really good i liked it um it came sliced and with sorry sorry it came sliced and seared yeah i don't know if we're gonna take that out or not if you hear it yeah, it means yeah, we didn't yeah, yeah. it came sliced <laughs> and seared with avocado orange and mango with garlic sauce or mojo de ajo Something yeah, like that. Very nice. And apazote, also called Mexican tea. Those were the spices that were sort of on it. It was amazing. Also on the menu that I tried, some delicious shrimp empanadas with squash blossoms, these beautiful squash blossoms um, that came with one of the most addictive dipping sauces I've had in a long time. Uh, I also had a mouth-watering heirloom corn and Mary's chicken tamale and a dragon fruit dessert. My photos are up on social media. You can check them out. If they make you hungry, the menu is only being offered through Sunday, May 15th. So if you're listening before then, you won't want to miss it. The best thing about this is Chino Poblano is Jose Andres' most affordable local restaurant. And these small plates are priced between 14 and 16 bucks. Yeah. And, you know, you could, you could bring up a tab if you want to, but if you just want some bites, you can go in relatively affordably. Um, um, and the featured cocktail, a pina poblano, is 17. And a mini flight of two Maestro Dobel tequilas, the Diamante and the Pavito, is 19 bucks for All the right. tequilas. So, again, man, yeah. not cheap, but, you know, reasonable, especially in this day and age. Value, as we say in Vegas. Value, baby. And if you want a Jose Andres experience, you want a lot of originality, yeah. um, you, you're not going to do better than Chino Poblano. Okay. Also this week... Um, Rich, I feel like this one I should have asked you to attend on my behalf because, I mean, I like Shake Shack as much as the next guy. Okay. What's not to like about Danny Meyer fast food burger concept and, you know, New York based, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But attending a new menu rollout at 10 a.m. for breakfast for a breakfast of bourbon bacon cheddar burger and bourbon baker, bacon cheddar chicken sandwiches <sighs> with a chocolate churro shake and an Oreo funnel cake shake really seems like a rich segment. That sounds like uh, diabetic coma for Rich. <laughs> Wait, did I mention that both of the sandwiches are topped with a Maker's Mark <laughs> bacon jam and white cheddar cheese, and that the Oreo shake was topped with chocolate whipped cream? Well, you have now. It's Jeez. funny, man. People always wonder, why do you go to these things? Why do you go to these things? A lot of it does. I, I'm going to, you know, we get inside yeah. how, how this game works that we play. This is an insider's look into what I do for a living. They've got a publicist that I love at Shake Shack, and if she calls me and says, Al, yeah. we're doing a, um, a new menu rollout at 10 in the morning, I'm there and I'm going to eat it. And so was every other food yeah. writer in town. Putting so. it all up on Instagram. You know, since we have an Instagram account, and I subscribe to a couple of local folks, certainly the Las Vegas foodie. But because of that, I get 853 other things shoved into my Instagram feed, mostly involving, as I said, 800 ingredients deep fried and then five sauces put on top. Yeah. It sounds a little like that. I mean, but it's, you know, it's Shake Shack. Well, yeah. It, and it is. Right, right. So, um, you know, I, I I told them I'm a Shake Shack guy. I eat Shake Shack on the way into T-Mobile when I'm running late and I'm not, yeah. but I'm too hungry to wait to eat inside, right? I don't eat at the one in T-Mobile. Once I'm in T-Mobile, I eat at other restaurants in there that I like better. <laughs> but when I'm on my way into T-Mobile, yeah, yeah. I like that Shake Shack. That little so. walk going down the thing, yeah. yeah. Other great meals I had this week. Sue and I dropped into Valencia and Golden, tried some new menu items. Highlights from that trip included Chef Jeff Weiss's take on a blooming onion, which I believe was topped with Iberico crumbles. Whoa. And um, a dessert that I got to go. This was a Marcona almond caramel tart with caramelized white chocolate ganache, PX sherry, and orange on a whipped sour crema. 
Big thanks to Liz oh. for not letting me leave without taking one of those home with me. I had it at home, and fuck, that was good, man. That sounds like just the right amount of massive ingredients. You know? Yeah. A few, but not overwhelming. You could taste each thing, right? Y- you absolutely could. Wow. And it was excellent. Uh, finally, congrats to everyone in UNLV's class of 2022, most especially the hospitality school students, because you're the ones going to be feeding me soon, um, <laughs> and especially those of you who are participating in UNLV this year. I attended their big event, the Grand Tasting. It was held on the UNLV campus this year in Hospitality Hall. We've said a lot about this. Yeah. You know, they had a hard time planning this thing. They didn't know what covid restrictions were going to be so it was an amazing event i got there a little early so that i could chat with the students and the faculty one of the people i spoke with was leo tran a student graduating this year who was in charge of the kitchen at the event but hey man they're preparing him for the real world so it doesn't matter that he was just about to have hundreds of people walk through the door they made him come out and talk to the press right i was like (laughs) yeah learn to touch the tables leo learn to touch the tables um so here's a bit of what he told me about the grand tasting which was sort of a last hurrah for him and his classmates it's a big party for all of us you know so we're super happy to be here it's it's a lot of fun throughout the the uh, throughout the semester throughout the past few months the front of the house team work on the logistics and the marketing you know uh selling tickets of the of the event and then i as the executive chef in the back of the house i work on you know fine uh finding fine-tuning the recipes making sure everything tastes right and then get all the portions right for 500 guests that we will be uh welcoming tonight and like you said it's it is indeed a last hurrah but at the same time it's also an accumulation of everything that we have learned in this college throughout the four years uh, from culinary to uh, you know building events in the front of the house, how we should market our events, the financial side of it, and you know how to serve wine, or you know even as simple as how to keep food you know within the safe temperature zone, just to make sure that you know everything that we learn we remember it and we make this big event for 500 people, make it a success, so that we can go into our careers later with full of confidence. So thanks and congrats, Leo. Coming up, doing the pigeon with Roy Elmar. Popping up at the Palms with Jolene Menina and Rosa Restaurante is now serving Henderson. But first, dinner and a show. This is Food and Loathing. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. So I've spoken a lot on this show about the return of the dinner and a show concept in Las Vegas, from the elegant supper club throwbacks like Delilah and Mayfair on the Strip, to new and weird offerings like the 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea dinner at the Lost Spirits Distillery. Whichever way you go, Las Vegas has recently caught on to the fact that it is okay to mix entertainment and food instead of getting people in really quickly and then they're rushing out to go to the next thing, whether it's a meal or a show. So that philosophy is not limited to hot cuisine. In fact, some of Las Vegas' top spots for pizza also offer live entertainment. Or perhaps I should say some of Las Vegas' top live music venues also serve award-winning pizza. You know, tomato, tomato, chicken, egg, some shit. Whatever works for you. However you look at it, our guests today are at the top of that particular game. First, we have Nathan Gates and Anthony Jameson, who took over the Sand Dollar Lounge on Spring Mountain Road in 2015 with the goal of returning it to its former glory as a world-class blues bar. And to complement the live music, they partnered with Metro Pizza's Chris Decker to create some amazing bar pizzas that fans can only enjoy as they take in the band. As a result, the original Sand Dollar Lounge on Spring Mountain is listed on my new app, Neon Feast, as both a great pizza place and a great spot for dinner and a show. 
They recently opened a second Sandauer location in the in the plaza, which is where we are right now, just upstairs from that. Um, and I should say recently opened because it's kind of soft opened right now. You haven't had your even had your grand opening party. Uh, but you've once again teamed up with one of Las Vegas's top pizza makers, Pop-Up Pizza's Michael Van Keen. Did I get that right? Michael Vaknin? Am I, am I saying his name Vaknin. right? Vaknin. Excuse me. I'm so sorry, Michael. Um, full disclosures here. When I speak about Siri, when I speak to serious pizza experts, like just about everybody I spoke to at the Pizza Expo, and I asked them if Neon Feast missed any great pizza spots, Pop-Up is one of the three places that always gets mentioned. So we're looking to add them very, very soon. So, gentlemen, welcome. Congratulations on the opening. How's it going at the dollar, the new dollar? Well, <laughs> what are we, with six inflation, days in? How much is the sand dollar worth these days? What's that? Uh, with inflation, how much is the sand dollar yeah. worth? <laughs> Not enough to keep us from working. Uh, how's it going, guys? How's, it's how's been the good. soft opening been? We had a really good, uh, we had a really good turnout the first couple of days, um, you know, and then we had into Mother's Day weekend, but every night it's been live music and uh, the feedback's been excellent. So, so far, so good for sure. And your big grand opening party is when? Well, we're going to treat it as a grand opening weekend of sorts. So we're going to have an invite-only event for the most part on the 26th, um, which is the Thursday leading up to uh, Memorial Day weekend. I always like knowing those dates of those places, things I can't go to. Yeah. <laughs> we can talk after, I think. Oh, no, that's Al, can we crash it? I don't know, Gio. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know that I'm cool enough to get you in. I don't even know if I've been invited to any of the pre parties yet. Either, either I wasn't cool enough to get invited myself, or I just missed it because I'm an asshole. One or the other. Either way, my apologies if I missed it. So, uh, but you hear piping up from the peanut gallery. My other two fantastic guests today um, are Naomi and Giovanni Morrow, who operate Manzu Italian Oven and Bar on West Flamingo Road and three old-school pizzeria locations. Naomi is also an accomplished singer who's performed at some of the top venues in Las Vegas, California, I think New York, probably more places than I can list right here. And um, Gio can build out opera like no chef I've ever heard. <laughs> you can hear them both perform at Manzu, which, like the Sand Dollar, is on both the Neon Feast list of recommended pizza places and the apps list of spots for dinner and a show. And if I'm going to be fair, Old School is another restaurant that I've been yelled at by people for not having on our pizza list. And we will be rectifying that very soon. I just ate there the other day. It's as great as everybody tells me. It's going on to Neon Feast soon. So um, so both pop up. So you guys have a lot in common, everybody here. Um, So how are you two doing today? Good. Good. I'm happy to be out of my house. Thank you, Al. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you for coming. <laughs> <laughs> you make it seem like we trap you in the house, but what well, the kids kind of do. I've been doing accounting since 8 a.m. Well, there you go. That just means there's lots of money <laughs> to be counted. That's, that's well, what lots I used of to bills think. to be paid. Yeah. In your mouth. One of the two. <laughs> so I guess I want to ask all of you, I, I know you come at it from different angles, but you both value having quality entertainment and quality food under the same roof. Was this a conscious decision or was it a decision of necessity or was it just the things that you love and you're passionate about and you wanted to put them together? So let's start with the Morrows first and then we'll move down to Sand Dollar. Okay, yeah, so it's definitely not necessity. Uh, <laughs> passion is what drives us to put the music in there. For us, it's nostalgic. You know, my husband and I met each other at the original location where Anzu is now. Um, because of the music, um, you know, me being in the entertainment industry and, and his family running the restaurant, and he's always had live music there. It's why why I even came to that restaurant in the first place. That's how, did you know that's how we met? I didn't know that was how So met. back in the days of Norris in that building, I had a gentleman by the name of Joe Darrow, who's one of the finest keyboardist singers this city has ever known. Still. Still. He's He's unreal. And Joe, uh, we would just do late night. We would start at 10 p.m. and go all the way to 2. And uh, Naomi was on the in American Superstars on the strip, and she would come because she would want to sing jazz. That's her passion. And she would come in and do a few numbers, and, of course, I fell in love with her the moment I saw her being <laughs> the dog that I am. But, all right, uh, let's not get too... Uh, uh, too, too <laughs> Sounds revealing. like there's a story in there. So. <laughs> 
<laughs> but anyway, uh, after a few drinks, she finally agreed to go out with me, and here we are, uh, 18 years of marriage and three kids. So mm-hmm. music is a big part of our lives, and uh, you know, you, you asked about necessity and whether it's a, you know, for us, it's it's not a shtick. It's what we do. It's it's our world. It's 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 you know our passion and our life and. For me, that dinner and a show thing has always been part of the Las Vegas experience. So it was very natural for us to feel like we're continuing that tradition. It it did go out of style for a while, and people would always say, wow, this is so old-fashioned, you know, no one does this. And I think you're right that, that there's a resurgence in that kind of concept. Um, and I, I just find that we're lucky to be at the right place at the right time for this kind of thing to, to, to flourish again and to blossom again. And I know, you know, always been a big admirer of what the Sand Dollar has done through Vegas history. So this is really cool to, to, to see some vibrant, energetic blood get in there and, and make it happen all over again. It's, it's really exciting for the city, I think. So Sand Dollar folks, my friends, um, when you first uh, talk a bit about your decision to revitalize, to purchase, revitalize the Sand Dollar, try to bring it back to a little bit of its old glory. And um, was food, was having quality food in there something that you thought of right off the bat? Or was it a way to keep people there longer? You want to take this? Yeah, well, I'll start. Jameson's the mind behind the food there. but really, I mean, the Sand Dollar kind of spoke to us because, I mean, we're, in, we're music guys. We love music. Um, we found it to be a place that was kind of like a hidden gem that still had a, you know, a notable footprint in town that people still talked about and people still loved to go to. And we saw, you know, an endless amount of opportunity with what we could do with it um, in the case, in the condition that it was when we purchased it. So um, really, it was a matter of, okay, the, this, this environment is, it kind of, is, it's our place to be. It's, a, it's the type of, uh, the style of music we like to hear on a regular basis. It's the right crowd. Um, and we can introduce a lot of people to, to the scene that maybe haven't, you know, at, at the original location, hadn't really um, experienced live blues in the way that we, uh, that we had. So, I mean, then when, when the decision was, uh, the decision to, to implement uh, pizza and have a kitchen came along, um, I think the biggest thing was whatever we do, we want to do really well. Um, how we do one thing is how we do everything. And uh, we wanted to make sure that um, it was something that people appreciated just as much as every other aspect to the business. But Jameson really kind of came up with, um, you know, he spent a lot of time working on, on that menu and, and determining what ingredients we'd use and who we'd partner with and where we'd source things. But I'll let him speak about that. So, Mr. Jameson, what can yeah. you tell us about, about how you got together with, um, with Chris Decker and with all the people, all the great chefs who have come in to do pop-ups? Because you also do, a, you've done some amazing pop-ups for some great causes in there with fantastic food. Yeah, um, I mean, I have a culinary background. I had originally was a line cook uh, before I went to the front of the house. Um, and just naturally gravitated towards chefs as friends, like anyone, I guess, that cooks for any amount of time. It's a certain type of demographic that tends to become a chef. So I was just friends with all of them already, and uh, a lot of home cooking, a lot of family dinners between us, and then... And and is it fair if I say that you are, like, the Sand Hour on Spring Mountain is the de facto after-work whiskey spot for about half of the chefs on the las vegas strip yeah it's uh, <laughs> more than we can list so their wives don't find out but right. <laughs> um yeah i mean if you go in on a sunday night you'll have 20 of the top chefs in town milling around um and like nate said you know we we have a certain level of quality that we wanted as far as the bar program and everything else and when food became a factor we couldn't half-ass it in any way you know it had to be at the same level and uh, I had never made pizza in my life and so I had met Chris at a few events and obviously I think we've all seen his Instagram it's like mm. pizza porn for everyone yeah so I asked him if he would teach me so I would show up seven in the morning and make pizzas with Chris wow and, and that that's a master class <laughs> if you're learning yeah. from Chris Decker you're learning from one of the best mm-hmm. um so let me ask do people stay longer at a show if there's good food they don't have to run out and eat yeah absolutely I mean we had a taco truck that we all loved and it was a lot less headache for us <laughs> having him there but due to our gaming license we had to do our own kitchen and so 
that's how it happened, I guess. What about a, coming at it from the other angle? Now, you know, um, Manzu is, of course, a lot of people go there for the music, but many, many people just know Manzu as a fantastic restaurant, one of the great places to get pizza al pala in Las Vegas. Am I saying that right? Is the yeah. Roman style that you do? Yeah. Um, and, and a lot of other great entrees that you do there. The food is top notch. So Thank you. Is it a situation that when your beautiful and talented wife is on stage singing or some other talented person is on stage singing, does that keep people in there drinking more, d noshing more? Does it run up check averages? Is it a smart thing for business? We, we had to massage it a little bit. There, uh, we found that the earlier diners didn't appreciate live music because it interrupted their dinner experience. And so what's worked for us is to bring the entertainment in a little later. We still have a little bit of resistance, but not as much. And then what it does is the later crowd that comes in can sit down and take their time and stay as long as they want. And there's not the next reservation that needs to come in and, and is upset because their table isn't ready. So for us, that's how we've kind of um, found a middle ground to work with the dining experience and the live music experience. It's always, and I don't want to speak for my wife, but it's always a, a difficult kind of situation uh, also for the performer to be in that setting because you know as performers we're, we're we have a relationship with the audience we want the the feedback we want the live acknowledgement and a lot of times performers aren't given that because people are so engrossed in their conversation and eating so it's a fine balance we also found that the later we do it and people purposefully come for the music then they're more attentive to the the musicians so I, I believe that that's the case, yeah. right? I, I yeah. really, I had that in my notes to ask you, um, is, now I assume that at a place like the Sandauer, as a guy who's you know spent half, a large portion of his life in rock clubs and live music venues, bands tend to be used to fighting for people's attention, right? Like it's, if you're in a club, people are trying to get laid, people are trying to do whatever, they're doing shots, they're woo-wooing, whatever that is they're woo-wooing, if it's a bunch of woo girls in there. And so a rock band, a blues band, they have to know how to get the attention of that crowd. And they don't, you know, it, it might bother them, but they're used to it. But for somebody like you, Naomi, who normally when you perform, you are the center of attention. You're the reason people are there. Is it a bitch to get people to shut up and listen to you when they're trying to have well, their dinner? I, I have to have a completely different approach to when I perform at my restaurant. I'm not looking for any kind of, you know, um, satisfaction as far as the audience is concerned. I know that I'm there to fulfill a certain role. And I really try not to take it personally because there's no way. There's On some nights, you're going to get your regulars that come in and they're loving everything that you're doing. But let's be honest, you know, 75% of the time, they're just having their own experience and you are an enhancement to that. Um, so, yeah, I, I kind of separate that part of what I do from, from a restaurant performance experience. And like you said, too, I mean, as a business owner, too, I... I'd, if we're going to start the music and people linger too long, that's not good for business either. We have to turn the tables. So a lot of times, you know, that's why we ended up starting later as well, so that those people, we didn't feel like we had to push them away to make room for other diners. You know, it's, it's a very uh, calculated and uh, careful practice doing it in that setting. So... I'm sorry, yeah. No, so I, I just want to say in that there's a hidden message as to why I only sing like one or two songs a week because I have to be the center of attention when I go up. So we we, we rev the audience up for Chef to get up and sing a song. So, so chefs get, have bigger egos right, than I rock get, stars. I, I know, know that person. That is very true. Yeah, I get, the, I get the reciprocation from the audience that I need. Otherwise, I just can't do it. Oh. I can't be ignored. Well, I'm, I'm My blessed. wife is much better at that. So I'm Famous blessed. I'm blessed to be able to perform in a lot of venues in Vegas so you know I I get that thing elsewhere but yeah. <laughs> Jameson who has bigger egos chefs or rock stars or, or blues musicians uh, sound man. sound guys <laughs> sound guys really <laughs> here here wow. Right. Oh, wow. we okay. can't we can't speak ill of them they're going to sabotage our performances <laughs> oh, <yeah>. please 
You guys are all awesome. We love yeah. people. Oh, yes. <laughs> we worship the ground you walk on. Oh. When you guys went into the, the, the dollar, the original dollar on Spring Mountain, you had an existing space and you had to work within it and you you do a lot out of a small kitchen i haven't seen what the kitchen setup is like here at the plaza but were you able to build i mean you know especially jameson you're coming from restaurants on the strip some of the finest restaurants in the world people are used to working some of the chefs you have do pop-ups are used to having very spacious very luxurious kitchens to work in um did you build them a nice kitchen here at the plaza or are they um they just doing working with what they got we got lucky enough we didn't build anything. The uh, <laughs> pop-up was existing, so that we don't uh, have to do any of the food here. So it all comes from pop-up pizza, yeah. from the original location, from all their pizza ovens. There's not a there's not a satellite kitchen in the club. They're all just kind of connected. Yeah. Somehow they make it the 50 feet yeah. from pop-up. <laughs> well, I don't know. Sometimes 100 feet. Feet. There's uh, probably going to be a satellite walk-in because they're at capacity as it is. And if we start getting busy as we project, then... Mikey's going to need some storage. Are they now open later because they have to stay open later for you? Uh, they will be eventually. Right now, they're keeping mainly to their hours, right? I think, yeah, I think they're, they start wrapping up around midnight. Okay. Um, so they wrap up around midnight. How late does the does music go at the new Sand Dollar? 1 a.m. How, how late can I get a pizza at Sand Dollar? Well, till midnight at this point. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Two, 2 a.m. on the weekends, I believe. Two, yep. 2 a.m. on the weekends. <laughs> I mean, the kitchen's open till midnight. I guess you could get some there sauce or some cheese or I a ball of dough. I could after get a, that. you know, go down to the gas station and get a Hunt Brothers and bring it in. Um, what about putting a sound system into a restaurant? Now, you you both come from a professional background. You're not just going to throw up, you know, a garage PA system that, that you use in the Battle of the Bands. As Funny, a kid. you should bring that Funny. up, Al. Yeah. <laughs> We've been struggling in that for a while. Uh, we we kind of settled on a really cool bow system that we've been utilizing but we've been for the, we were right ready to pull the trigger and get a new sound system and then the pandemic hit so we kind of went to the wayside and now we're talking about it but sound is an issue because it, it we again we don't want the diners right by the stage to be inundated with with loud music and and the, the folks out in the back row quote-unquote can't hear if it's not loud enough so you need something that really spreads out the sound very evenly and is not too intrusive and yeah. that plus our room is just live as can be it's just this huge open space so mm-hmm. the, the sound can just bounce all over the place if you're not careful luckily Bose's those little systems are pretty darn good honestly but, but we yeah. could do we could do better and we're going to uh it's just a matter of you know pulling the trigger on that so i want to see how much news i can get out of all of you because i know everybody's probably sitting on some stuff that you're not ready to tell me yet but um so i'm going to start with I tell you, you guys everything. you, you tell me about? but you don't tell me at all on the air let's be <laughs> honest um, so uh, let's talk about the dollar what, what can you guys tell us about upcoming shows any big big surprises any major acts that you're going to be announcing yeah, we've got we've we've um, the programming has been good so far. We've had a lot of inquiries, so and a lot of connections kind of built out of just the immediate press and and whatnot that we had you know prior to opening last week. Um, so you know for the twenty six, we're going to have a uh, a couple special guests. Uh, first of all, Chris Tofield, who's been with us since day one, he's been kind of a staple at the Dollar. He's an incredible blues guitarist. He'll be playing uh, with John Popper from Blues Traveler. Um, wow. And so we're really excited to have them, and he's going to do a fairly. Uh, he's going to do a couple sets with us um, on the 26th, which is great. And then followed by Frankie Perez, who's kind of uh, got a little bit of notoriety in town and uh, you know around the U.S. Um, he's going to be playing with Billy Gibbons uh, to follow. So so it's going to be an interesting evening with uh, a lot of people are there, and I'm sure we'll see you there too, Al. So you know, the only time I am. Um or at least the last time I interviewed Billy Gibbons, it was in the old Sandow. It was in the original Sandow. I was doing something for a Carrie Simon project that I'm still working on. Um, he lives in Vegas now, doesn't he? He does. Yeah. So, uh, we have, we've got some mutual friends. George Norrie in radio, you might know of him. But, uh, yeah, so, you know, we were able to kind of connect with him and, and see. If, and he really likes our brand. And, and like you said, you know, he remembered kind of that interview. And, uh, yeah, he's excited to, to help us kind of launch launch the brand downtown does 
uh, I guess let's talk about the mix of artists that you bring in, and then I'm going to ask you about the other artists that, that play at um, Manzu as well. But the mix of artists that you bring into the Sand Dollars, how much of it is nationally known acts? How much of it is local bands? How much is of it is touring, hustling bands that may not be a household name, but they're out on the road, you know, living in the van? You know, wh what's the balance? And is it a different balance at the plaza than it is on Spring Mountain Road? It is. It's kind of a blend. We get a, we get maybe six, seven inquiries a day via email or text. Um, so we're constantly listening to a lot of different genres, and everybody will approach us. And uh, I would say it's probably maybe 10 to 15% of them are touring acts. And a lot of those are repeats, guys who come every season or, or every three months or so and kind of just they make, a, they make a point to stop and play at the Sand Dollar on Spring Mountain because they love that venue and they love that vibe. Um, and they've already started reaching out to us um, from, a lot of, from a lot of different markets like uh, Utah, Arizona, some from New York, a lot of the East Coast, um, often California, California, of course, and some international. I've had guys, uh, you know, email me from from Italy saying they want to come out and play. I've had guys who uh, from South America, um, all sorts of different styles from flamenco guitar to, you know, to blues, to rock, to jazz um, and deadhead bands. And, and uh, you know, it really for us, it's like anything else. It's if you're good and you sound good live on a phone, you're going to sound great, you know, in person. So um, we only listen and we kind of, you know, we filter them out by listening to just their live acts and, and, um, yeah, I mean, it, it's it's a blend. We want to make sure that it's all, all of the genres are kind of um, on brand. But, you know, it's mostly if, like, they're talented artists, we'll give them the stage. Um, so, you know, it, it, it depends on who reaches out, really. we don't. I don't really program it where it's like I, I know what blues days we're going to have. Downtown, we're going to do a little bit more upbeat rock and roll. Um, a little less blues, um, so um, some probably more contemporary um, groups as well. So, um, but we'll still incorporate a lot of those great blues acts, especially the local ones that you know have been with us over the years. Cool. Now, let's talk about Manzu. Yeah, I, I find it interesting on on the approach. How um, I, I feel a sense of uh, just. Uh, freedom in hearing you speak to do creatively what you want with bringing the music in I think our hands are a little bit more tied because uh, as you said it's a, a you know it's a food driven concept and so we almost feel like the music has to fit into the experience of the food and the service style and how you know it all comes together and mixes together so I think I think our, our the genres available to us are much much more limited again luckily i think that it falls into what's been very traditional and stable in las vegas so we're at a great place to do that in but i think my wife could speak about that more eloquently than i can as far as the artists that you come in what do you look yeah. for yeah well of course jazz is at the forefront because i feel like it complements our restaurant experience so well um, we've also been <coughs> experimenting more with adding some latin groups that come in and um, a lot of the the newer younger generation from UNLV that's coming out like there's a lot of cool um, very talented jazz kids that are coming on the scene honestly like uh, a couple weeks I've got Gary Fowler coming back in he's an amazing jazz vocalist I've got um, but we have we have a, a great local pool to pull from and I've got Tasha Como and Laura Schaefer and Bill King and he, he excellent trumpet player. So I'm I'm just trying to to give all of our local people and spread it out a little bit so that people can hear these wonderful local artists because we have such a deep pool of, of talent here in Las Vegas. I I think that that's kind of our game a little bit is to, to give them exposure. Of, yeah, to yeah. to to celebrate what is here. And I think as the city has grown, we've all seen that we've we've always pulled from out. You know, I mean, I do that too. I choose a cuisine, and I choose a cuisine from Italy that I know so well, and I bring it to Vegas because I want our mm. guests to experience it, right? But w as we mature, we're finding that there's all this, you know, talent that has kind of been 
left to the wayside. Even chefs, you know, all the big names on the strip that always want to get that chef from there and that chef from there and that. And meanwhile, I look at these great chefs all over town and they're just kind of just on the sidelines that could just be celebrated so i think in our small way we do that um with we do that with musicians and i i love the concept i love that you guys do pop-ups with chefs in town because i think that that's exactly what you're doing is you're, you're you're celebrating local chefs that are here already and celebrating what we have and i i i'm starting to get so irritated when i go around town i hear performers kind of even remotely diss our town, it really, it, it's starting to really get to me. Like, I want to scream and go, stop it already. This this place is amazing. Why you open your eyes and see how awesome of a city this is? I mean, we, we, we've just... We've just matured into something spectacular. There's no other city on earth like it. And I, I, I just want to celebrate it for everything it is. Yeah, when I hear people that don't enjoy Vegas, well, first of all, I don't know why anybody lives in a city that they don't like. Yeah, that they don't I love. agree. Like, that's like being married to somebody that you don't like. <laughs> and it's like, well, nobody told you to fucking marry time him to or move her, on. right? Like, right. Oh, time yeah. to move on. I mean, there's <laughs> moving vans available if you don't like it. I mean, I, I mean, if you want to make it better, absolutely. Every single person at this table has done a lot to make this city better. So I'm all for improving it. But, I mean, we have so much. We have so much art. We have so much talent. We have so many great chefs. And, and guys, for you guys to bring in touring bands, I mean, I don't know. I've been out of the rock and roll business for a very, very long time. But, you know, finding solid spots for a working blues band, a, a working band that doesn't have a song on the radio, that was like the holy grail back when I remember the music industry. I don't know if it's gotten any better for those art artists, but I've got to feel like you guys are kind of like a beacon in the wilderness that they could pull into Vegas, which is a great town. Everybody wants to come to Vegas anyway, and they don't have to be House of Blues headliners in order to get a gig. And hopefully you pay them. I don't know. Maybe not. I don't know what the, the working deals are these days, but hopefully it's worth their while. But I mean, just the opportunities that you guys provide is, is amazing. Yeah, I mean, you really want, I think there's a lot of parallels, like you mentioned, between people in the food industry and people in the music community, um, because you see so many great chefs that worked on the shift for a long time under the tutelage of, of great chefs and then go out and open their own restaurants. Um, and it's, it's similar in a lot of senses with the, uh, the talented musicians who say, you know, they perform for Cirque du Soleil or they perform for the Blue Man Group or, or this or that residency. And yet they're, you know, they're so talented, they could have their own show. You know, we give them a platform to come out and express themselves in, the own, in their own way. And there's a lot of times where artists are, are stuck doing the same show night after night. We call those kind of like casino gigs. Mm -hmm. um, and what we always encourage them to do when they get on stage at the Sand Dollar is do your own fucking show. We're not going to tell you. If it's good, it's good. People will come back and, and we'll let the crowd decide. And, you know, when you when you come and people follow you, you know, that'll be really the determining factor of whether or not it's a good show. And you learn, they're going to learn along the way and we're going to learn along the way. And, and really, it's just giving them a platform to play and do so organically um, and without anybody kind of telling them how long they should play, what they should say, you know, and it's it's just kind of more, it's more for them in that sense. And it's and a little bit more freedom, liberating. And what happens when the crowd decides they uh, don't make it? Well, they usually, <laughs> I hear about it. Yeah. <laughs> You're the I one hear, who has to I break hear, the news to them, I right? I hear about it first, yeah. Oh. Um, it rarely happens. No, I, I love that. You know, when you're talking about that, it reminds me of one of the first places I came in Las Vegas. The first place I used to go when I moved to Las Vegas in 2001 was the old Bootlegger Bistro. At the time, um, Blackie and Sonny um, were, were doing their show, and people would just come off the stage, and it would be somebody that played piano for um, whoever the strip headliner was, right? And But they wanted to just play their own songs, and they'd go down to the Bootlegger. Yep. And Vegas has a very long, long history of that, and I feel like all of you are keeping that history alive. Um, thank you. You know, in, in a really cool way. So I think you. audiences are really appreciating it too, because let's let's be honest. I mean, you go to a concert on the strip nowadays, and you're shelling out hundreds and hundreds of dollars. And granted, you get to see some amazing headliner artists, but for the value, uh, you can really get a bang for your buck going to uh, <laughs> the Sand Dollar or Monzu or any of these other venues that are having top quality entertainment. I want to make sure we get the proper plugs in because why do a podcast if you can't plug things? So let's talk about May 27th, May 28th. You have some um, shows, free shows coming up at the new Sand Dollar in the Plaza. Can you tell me about those, guys? Yeah, 27th is uh, Crash Midnight. 
Um, they're uh, a local band. They 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 open for Quiet Riot on New Year's Eve, but they're excellent, um, really excellent, exceptional artists. That's going to be a little bit more heavy rock and roll. Um, and then the 28th is Artur Menendez. Oh, I'm probably saying that wrong. Menendez. Um, That's okay. I mispronounce everybody's name every week. But he won a bunch of blues awards. James, do you remember specifically? Yeah, I actually recruited him from Instagram. But he, he won Best Blues Guitarist in America 2019. So I was trying to get him, and then COVID hit. Uh, so it took us a few years to <laughs> finally get him. But we got him once last year, and he's amazing. Huh? Long overdue. Well, cool. I look forward to those shows. Naomi, when can we see you perform, and will will Gio be d- throwing some opera in? <laughs> so, yeah, typically I am there every Friday. Uh, we've got a buyout this coming, but uh, May 26th I'll be I'll be back, and uh, May 27th we have Laura Schaefer. Or no, I'm sorry, Bill King and the Knights of Jazz are going to be there that night, and uh, we've got my regular trio. Who is, uh, they're my, my staple guys, Kenny Seaford on bass, Boris Shapiro, and uh, John Falbo on guitar. These guys have played with everybody. And uh, yeah, I'm going to twist your arm, as usual. It all depends how much <laughs> red wine is flowing. <laughs> ah. The more red wine, and the more the likelihood. Awesome. Well, thank you much. We didn't even get into your cocktail program, but you have a fantastic cocktail program over at uh, Sand Dollar as well. Really cool menus. Um, so congratulations on the opening. Gio, no, I yes. wanted to get news out of you. Are you going to tell me what? about anything else you got going on over in that same neck of the woods, or are we not ready to talk about any of these things that I may have <laughs> well, seen? Well, th- there may or may not be a chef's table of sorts <laughs> coming soon. Okay. Very exclusive. Uh, uh, uh. May, may or may not be. It might be kind of in the background. As soon as you're ready to talk to me about that on the record, you let me know. Yeah, I... I yes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't want to push you, man. It's up to you. Okay. Well, thank thank you all for your time, man. I look forward to um, visiting all both of your places, all three of your places, as soon as possible. Plus, back up to Old School Pizzeria. I dined there. It was great. Anyway... Pigeon Hawaiian, Henderson Italian, and Palms Pop-Ups. All that in the news on Food and Loathing. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. It is time for the news. And to start us off, I'm thrilled to tell everyone that Roy Elmar is back. Elmar, for those of you who may not remember, I know it's been a long year and some of you have memory issues, but Elmar not only ran Harvest in Bellagio from 2015 through 2021, he also had his name on the marquee, which is like a really big yeah. deal for someone without a TV show in Bellagio. Um, although, you know, Julian and Serrano gets a lot of love over there as well. But still, Roy... Badass chef, always loved to have locals into his restaurant, local chefs into his restaurant, do pop-ups, all that kind of stuff. So he left last year. We had him on the show. He spent some time traveling. He is now back in Las Vegas testing out ideas at the Vegas Test Kitchen on Fremont Street. His Hawaiian-themed concept is called Pigeon Ninth Island Kitchen. And when Sue and I dropped in to try it this past weekend, he stopped by our table to chat. So, Chef, last we spoke, you were, I think, getting in a Winnebago and going to tour the country and become a hippie or something? What happened, man? Where you been? Uh, yeah, we did uh, go on a tour around the country and uh, see some places and visit friends and stuff like that. But um, it's almost a year now, so I'm kind of ready to get back into it. I've been missing cooking for people and, and seeing everybody. And uh, so, you know, there's a, this is a concept that I, I've wanted to do. And um, uh, hopefully it takes off, you know. It's, it's cooking the food that I grew up with, the flavors I grew up with. But um, seeing it through a different lens, kind of making it more modern, more light, more, more fresh, um, and, uh, and seeing it through the lens of the Ninth Island, Las Vegas. So it's still familiar flavors of Hawaii, but in a different context. Yeah, so the concept is called Pigeon. You're here at the Vegas Test Kitchen for how long? I'm here all month, uh, starting this week, and uh, so every weekend, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Friday nights from 4 o'clock, and then Saturday all day from 11 a.m. to close, and then Sunday 11 to close. 
And you have a full menu. I mean, it's a small menu, but you have snacks and you have everything all the way up to three full entrees as well, right? Yeah, it's a full menu. It's 10 items, nine items. And uh, it's just me in the kitchen, which is kind of cool, kind of fun. I'm cooking every plate and uh, yeah, it's fun getting back in there and, and doing it. And this is such a great place to do it. And Jolene has been incredible and uh, just the venue itself and being down here in the downtown community is nice. So for people who aren't familiar with Hawaiian cuisine, what would you tell them to expect from these dishes? Um, you know, flavors like Asian flavors, um, Pacific Asian flavors. Um, um, you know, we got mac salad on there. We got like a teriyaki steak, so things like that. But, you know, elevated a little bit, a little bit more different. So uh, is this a tryout for a brick and mortar that we're going to be hearing about soon? Or you know, what comes after this? Yeah, well, I just want to do the food and, uh, and you know, get all the recipes down and um, gauge the public interest and, and just see how it goes. Yeah. In a perfect world, would you rather be on the Strip or off the Strip in Las Vegas <laughs> for your next restaurant? Uh, perfect world, I'd rather be off the Strip. I think that, the, you know, you see so many uh, chefs out there uh, doing what, what they love and uh, really having the freedom to express themselves properly and um, the local community is really growing. Uh, the local chef community is really growing and you know everybody's um, putting down their roots and, and uh, doing stuff out on their own. Roy and Pigeon will be at the Vegas Test Kitchen every weekend in May from 4 to 9 on Fridays, 11 to 9 on Saturdays, and 11 to 4 on Sundays. And speaking of the Test Kitchen, man, Rich, I've got to tell you, when I mean, look, we all love Jelly Menina. Everybody in this town that's a foodie has known yeah. for years. Yeah. When she starts something, you know it's going to be badass. But I was in Test Kitchen this past weekend. Um, Winnie and Ethel's were doing the final coffee shop giveaway contest. They were yep. in there. Roy Elmar, the um, the prodigal son of the Las Vegas fine yep. dining, you know, super cool foodie scene, was back testing out a new concept. I was looking at the other concepts that were. You mean the there. one we just talked about? The one we just yes, talked okay. About, right? <laughs> um, we had a, a Bruce Kalman sandwich pop up, and I'm just thinking, if. If Jolene had had a vision of what she really wanted this to be, she has knocked the ball out of the park because yeah. it's just become the really cool spot um, to go. Coffee shop giveaway is winding down, but they still have plenty going on. And apparently the success of Vegas Test Kitchen and its overall coolness and hipness have not escaped the attention of the folks at the Palms. They have decided to operate the super hip Green Street Kitchen as a pop-up concept, at least for the first few months. The venue actually reopened on Cinco de Mayo. Chef Luke Palladino brought in some chefs for a Mexican concept that's going to be going, I believe, through the end of this month. But Vegas Test Kitchen's Jolene Menina tells me that she will be temporarily taking the reins at the poolside venue with the cool art collection, Whoa. which is hidden behind a secret entrance in the Palms Arcade for the months of June and July. Here, here's the details from Joe. Oh, we're taking over the Green Street uh kitchen for two months so we're gonna do a pop-up it'll be an extension of the vegas test kitchen we're gonna open to the public on june 10th and then we're gonna run for two months to so the end of july every friday saturday and sunday so for the extension we'll have three chefs like um you know for all for all three chefs in june and then july most likely three chefs we might have a an additional pop-up here and there but we'll have live music the entire time we're a bunch of local artists in town and then our brunch that we're going to do is going to be sort of a, a nod to Nove Italiano when we did um, High Society so live stations, food everywhere great energy and it will be themed but I'll announce what theme that is going to be later now, when you say three chefs, same three chefs for the entire thing, or are you going to be rotating them in and out the same way you do it, the test kitchen? So two of the chefs will be there the entire time. And we'll have one chef there for June, and then July, probably a pop-up here and there for that third person that'll be scheduled. So the idea is you'll come in, and because this is a pop-up, we want to make it relatively easy on ourselves as well as the guests. It'll be a fixed price for the person. They'll get two dishes from each chef, or they'll have an option to get three dishes from each chef. 
Okay. Yeah, it's a little tasting. And now there's something happening before you take it over with um, Luke Palladino. You going to be involved with that in some way? What, what can you say to explain what's happening there? Well, they're going to uh, activate Green Street Kitchen since it hasn't been open in quite some time. So while they're getting that ready for us, they're going to do a little pop-up of their own. I think they're going to be doing some Mexican uh, cuisine for the month of May. So they kicked that off for Cinco de Mayo, and I believe Chef Efren is the chef behind that. So there's more deliciousness at the Palms. Yay, Palms. As I said, yeah, super yeah, excited yeah. for them to be back. Have you had a chance to get back in there, Rich? I have not been back. I want to see what it's like on a day like uh, today when we're taping on a Tuesday afternoon now that the hubbub is down for a week or two. Let's see if anybody shows up. I, I certainly hope so. Yeah. I, I, I need to get back. I need to try a few of those restaurants, including Green Street. Um, meanwhile, in Henderson, former Prime and Jean-Georges chef, Jean-Georges Steak, I should say, chef Rob Moore and his partner, David Oseas, have finally opened Rosa Ristorante. I paid Rob a visit to hear how it's going. It's been going really well. Um, I was very surprised. You know, I thought we would open a little bit slow and soft and, you know, be able to ramp up slowly and, you know, get our feet underneath us. But, um, Everybody coming in, it's been amazing. A lot of friendly faces, people that we know come to support and check us out and, you know, really, really let us know that they care about us. There's a lot of hype about this. Does, has that surprised you or hell, you deserve the hype, man. Honestly, you know, in the beginning, I didn't really know. I thought, maybe I said it before, but I thought I'd just open this little restaurant in Henderson and nobody would really give a shit about me, you know. But, um, you know, from the beginning with all the articles that came out and the support and, you know, once we had the travel and leisure one come out, it was like three days of furiously thanking everybody for reaching out and sharing and retweeting and all of the things. And, you know, I, I couldn't be happier. So what do you want people to know about this restaurant? I just want people to come down here and have some fun. You know, uh, for a long time, we didn't have fun, you know, doing the things that we did in our past. But, you know, now you know, I just want, you know, people to come in, sit down, eat, share, laugh, drink, smile. A lot of the talk has been about yet another great strip chef opening a restaurant off the strip. But you've gone in a different direction. You've moved into Henderson, where the others tend to go west or downtown, things like that. How are you feeling about the expansion into this neighborhood and what it says about this, the growth of the valley. Well, I think the space is, is amazing. It's in the heart of a lot of uh, residential areas. You have Seven Hills and Anthem and Southern Highlands. And I mean, you know, not far off, you have Mountain's Edge, you have Deep Henderson. Um, you know, there's not a lot out here that is not attached to a casino or something of a larger corporation. I think right now it's the right time and the right place to do this. And the opportunity was here and I couldn't be happier. So specialty dishes, if somebody comes in for their first time, when I come in for my first time, what is it that I can't miss? You know, we're, we're really working through it and we're working hard on everything. You know, starting with the cheesy risotto fritters, you know, going down to the Amber Jack Crudo to get the highlights of the, the left side of the menu. Our pizzas, you know, they're great. We're still working with them, but I mean, the dough is there. The oven's great. The toppings, you can't go wrong with the spicy, uh, the spicy pepperoni pizza. It's exactly how I like to eat it at one of my favorite pizza places, so I'm recreating it here. Uh, our steaks are the 1855 steaks out of Nebraska. They're, you know, there's not much better that's out there. And then the seafood chiapino, the branzino, and the swordfish are the highlights, the swordfish piccata. People that don't eat swordfish come in and say they can't believe that they're eating swordfish. One last bit of praise for our, our one of our hometown favorites, Mariana Alvarado-Garcia, who went deep into the competition of uh, Big Restaurant Bet on Food Network. She made a top three before being... Uh, booted out just before the finale i missed that episode i feel bad do i do i need to be mad at uh, mr zakarian now uh, should maybe, i be sending him maybe. evil I mean, texts i mean she i i have to say that uh, i don't have his number by the try, <laughs> trying to be um, as uh, non-biased as i can which is starting near impossible if you ever meet uh mariana yes. is that of the top three she was the most together the most viable restaurant given the parameters that Jeffrey Zakarian had laid out in the previous episodes but she got the boot okay well uh, yeah I hear she had front of the house problems or uh, something like oh, that okay another TV note Stanley Tucci's searching for Italy is back on CNN the new episodes air on Sundays uh, this season two episodes of Venice and the Piedmont region 
which is pretty cool. He even ends it crossing over the border into Switzerland at the top of a big old gondola there. I just like season one. I, I want to pack a bag and head to the airport every night after watching. You know, Italy was going to be my 2020 trip with the family. Oh, yeah. But then something happened in 2020. Yeah. I can't remember. What was it? Oh, it, wait. Nothing happened in yeah, 2020. Yeah. That we was all it. stayed home and coughed. Yeah. You know, ever, ever since Tony Bourdain died, CN's been hunting for another Tony Bourdain and while Tucci is not exactly an overnight success, I've been watching him for 30-plus years on TV. Solid stuff. You remember WOR, Channel 9 in New York, back in the late 80s, the days of Morton Downey Jr.? I was on the Morton Downey Jr. show several times. The, guy, <laughs> the other great programming bit in that same era was a show called The Street. It was a half an hour at 10 or 10.30 every night, maybe 11. And it was a soap opera. But it was cops in Newark on the overnight shift. And somehow they did it with video cameras, and they did it real cinema verite. And it was Stanley Tucci? And he was one of about six cops uh, that, that was on that. That's the first time I saw him, and I went and I remembered him. And it would see him on all these other movies over the years. You, he is a worthy successor to uh, Tony Bourdain. You know, you hit the nail on the head, though. Why, why, why are we trying to recreate Anthony Bourdain? Anthony Bourdain was lightning in a bottle. Anthony yeah. Bourdain was unexpected, unlike anything else. He defied what food television wanted. He was the... Uh, antithesis yeah. of what they all do um and, and and he was once one in a million once in a lifetime once in yeah, a generation moonshot. and at the end of the day i like stanley tucci's show but yeah. stanley tucci is an actor who is playing somebody who knows food and he does it extraordinarily well and god bless i'm sure he knows food and i'm sure i'm not yeah, yeah, yeah. down for that but i am saying that when you are only hiring people for when, when you are hiring people who can play a role to recreate a role that you liked, yeah, it's kind of missing the point that the thing that made that person great was that he wasn't playing a role, yep. if that makes any sense. Uh, very much so. Having uh, known Anthony Bourdain since 2001 when I first interviewed him, I, I, I felt a little proprietary in his career and his arc, saying, yeah, I knew him when. I went to his restaurant. I interviewed him. I read his books. I got out of, you know, all that stuff. And so, yeah, I, I really felt it when he took his own life. Yeah, and, and I will say, Anthony Bourdain did not affect me as deeply as he affected many of my friends' life, uh, my yeah. friends' lives. And that's not a criticism. It's just yeah. where, at the moment that he was at his peak, that was not where my focus was, right? Yeah. So, and that that's all. But that being said, the recognition that he was unlike anybody else and that, you know, yeah. he was like, you know, it, it's kind of like, um, you know, Kurt Cobain became big and then everybody wanted to sign a Kurt Cobain. Well, you can't sign a fucking Kurt Cobain, no. you know, like that's yeah, the yeah. deal. Well, you can't find another Anthony Bourdain. He was, he, you know, he, he was of the moment. He was of the time. He was a singular presence that is um, untouchable yeah. by anybody else. But yeah, hey, Mr. Yeah. Tucci's awesome and I wish him yeah. the best on his show. One other CNN note, I direct you to the website. There's a nice, long, detailed, detailed article on the history of Trader Joe's, including the revelation that Trader Joe was a real guy. Joe Columbi. Not Joe Colombo. No, not Joe Colombo. He was He not was shaking available. people down for the Godfather house. Plus, plus by then he was unavailable. <laughs> right. uh, ran a not-so-great convenience store in Southern California in the 60s. He decided to pivot, as we say today, and he went, before anybody else did, he went upscale. These are his words from an inter interview a long time ago. His store was for a person who got a Fulbright scholarship, went to Europe for a couple of years, and developed a taste for something other than Velveeta Ordinary Beer and Folgers Coffee, which is a lot more people now, but wasn't so many in 1967-68 in there. Jet travel, the 747 had just, was about to come online, and that got more people overseas, got more people interested in something besides, yeah, Folgers Coffee. And so his first Trader Joe's, the name inspired by Trader Vic's, opened in Pasadena. California's fair trade laws at the time prevented him from undercutting the competition on price, so he went big on variety. He had 100 brands of scotch, 50 brands of bourbon and gin, and 14 tequilas in 1968 in his little store. The longer-term key to success, establishing those strong private label brands, you don't see any real, you know, not real, you don't see any big-name brands in those stores. Uh, Joe, though, resisted expansion, staying inside California with maybe three dozen stores. In 1979, he sold out to the parent company of Aldi. Have you ever been to an Aldi? I, They're I, making inroads in the East Coast, and eventually they'll be here. They're a discount grocery state ch uh, chain all over Europe, and it's all store brands. 
It's about the size of a Trader Joe's. There's about four or five of them around the D.C. area, and I went to them. And the stuff is really kind of down market, and they're huge in Europe. But anyway, Aldi bought Trader Joe's. 1996 is when the new CEO came in, did nationwide expansion. Come two years ago, Trader Joe's, 530 stores, $16 billion in sales. Uh, I don't go there all that often, but I, I like it when I do because it's kind of a food toy store. Yeah, I, you know I don't cook very much. Yeah. And when I do cook, you know, I feel like Trader Joe's, this is not as someone who shops there. This is just their, their, their image. To me, um, Trader Joe's is sort of like, if you have a whole food sensibility, but not a whole food salary, you go to very uh, good right? way to do it. Yeah, and um, and then good, that that's cool. Good, I'm I'm digging it. And they still have no uh, decent wines. Although when I lived in Montgomery County, Maryland, one of the last places in the in the country where the county, not the state, the county controls liquor sales, so there are only county liquor stores. So the Trader Joe's in my neighborhood had no beer, wine, or liquor. The and then I go across to Virginia, and there's this massive wine section. Let's all remember Maybe Two Buck Chuck. Two Buck Chuck. Trader Joe's. Yes, and that's shit a, that was. We could, you know, there was actually <laughs> some great wine has been put into Two Buck Chucks. Yeah. Some residual wines from things that got 95 in Wine Spectator that they can only yeah. put out so much in order to keep their certification. They sold it to Two Buck Chucks. <laughs> but um, I like to know what I'm drinking. I don't know. Well, I'm, yeah. You know, back in the days when I used to do drugs, I guess I never really cared what pill somebody <laughs> was handing me. So I, uh, I, I shouldn't complain yeah, about not yeah, knowing yeah. what's in your wine bottle. Um, you know, man, if you notice, I've been looking at my phone. I've been looking at my phone this whole time. I've been trying to see if I get a text message from the new Vegas editor for Eater Vegas. Oh, and yeah. I, I want to announce this person's name and I cannot. I'm so I, I don't know if it's public knowledge yet. It may be by the time you read this. But all I got to say to all my friends, all my publicist friends, all my chef friends, all my everybody friends out there. Eater Vegas is about to get a huge, huge infusion of talent and i am super excited yeah. to welcome this person to the town so hopefully by next week we can have this person i'm no i'm not even going to use any pronouns or no, genders no, no, or no. any of that right. I, I don't know my gender non-specific pronouns yet I, so i can't can't do that so yeah. anyway that's big news coming and i am super excited an amazing person i'm told has accepted the job at eater vegas so Next anyway. week, we'll have the news. Well, maybe. <laughs> so that's about it for this episode of Food and Loathing. Thank you to our guests. We have Nate and Anthony Jameson from the Sand Dollar. We have Gio and Naomi from Manzu. Yeah. Um, we had all kinds of people, and we're excited to have had them. Tell a friend about Food and Loathing. Spread the word on social media. You can find all of our handles at Al's website, theneonmohawk.com. Reach us all direct by email, info at foodandloathing.vegas. And if you haven't done it yet, download the Neon Feast app. Find your next dining destination, whatever you want, whatever you need, whatever you desire. Find it at Neon Feast. And if you need more Al, if oh, my God. voice is music to your ears, or maybe you want to see my really scary face, you <laughs> can see me on the CW Las Vegas every other Wednesday morning at approximately 8.15 a.m. It was 8.45 last time, yeah. so we'll see when they call. We're going to float the block. <laughs> As they say in TV, in the middle of the show. <laughs> Floating my block. Yes, uh, you can uh, float Al's block uh, right now or all weekend long uh, with the Neon Feast update. We're doing a little thing on the Vibe, 99.7 FM here in Vegas, 98.1 in the high desert, 98.9 at the river. And we may not be just on the weekends. We may be on weekdays too. So may. keep your ears peeled. And Rich and I love supporting local radio. So support local radio. Yeah. Damn it. And network radio and terrestrial radio. <laughs> all the damn radio. With producer Rich Johnson, I'm your host, Al Mancini, reminding you stay hungry. Hey.